Today's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter six, verses one to seven. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables." Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, <laughs> and Nicor, and Timon. And Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a many, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God. Well, let's let's pray one more time. Let's pray together,、uh, Father. We thank you for gathering us this morning. We thank you for the gift of your word.、Uh, that these are words not merely on a page, not on a screen, but that these are words of life that have been given to us. And we pray, O、oh、Lord, that life would come to us,、uh, rejuvenate us this morning,、uh, draw us closer to you.、Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, each of us have we have varying degrees of of influence and and power, status and, and privilege,、uh, but what matters is if we're using these things rightly.、Uh, and so I'm married, but what matters more than just being a husband is how I'm relating to my wife and if she is thriving and flourishing through the ways that I'm serving her and relating to her. I'm also a pastor, but what matters more than this title is whether or not I'm serving people, caring for them,、um, more than having this position of authority.、Uh, in this passage that we're going to consider this morning, the the apostles of Jesus they have a tremendous amount of power and privilege, but we are going to focus on how they use. Their power and privilege, because that is what matters most.、Uh, and so, we're going to take a look at three things today. First, we're going to look at the the danger of power and privilege.、Uh, secondly, we'll look at the healthy use of power and privilege. And then, lastly,、uh, the beautiful outcomes. So, first, the danger of power and privilege.、Uh, in verse one, it says, "Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number." A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their <clears throat> because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. <clears throat> Now, to appreciate what's happening,、uh, we need to understand a little bit of Israelite history.、Uh, so, after the Israelites, when they were exiled by the Babylonians back in the sixth century BC,、uh, after this time, there were many who ended up settling back in. Uh, Jerusalem, but there were also many others who chose to settle in the surrounding areas of the Greco-Roman world,、um, and and these individuals were known as the Hellenists. 
And so the Hellenists, they were ethnic Jews who were assimilated into Greek culture. And the ones that settled back in the greater, the greater Jerusalem area, they were known as the Hebrews. And over time, uh, there were some Hellenists who would eventually return back to their homeland of Jerusalem. And so during the time of, of the early church, there were these two distinct groups within the community, the Hebrews and the Hellenists. And so what we find from our passage is that uh, there also was a growing widow population uh, at the time amongst both the Hebrews and the Hellenists. We also know from our passage that there was this system of distribution that was put together to, uh, to provide essential items like food and clothing because widows were one of the most vulnerable people in the society at the time. But what's interesting that we learn is that the Hellenists are the ones who are being neglected. And maybe it's not that hard to imagine why. You know, even though the, the Hebrews and the Hellenists, they were both ethnic Jews, uh, they did not share a similar upbringing, culture, even language. And so there could have been lots of different barriers and obstacles for these two groups to get to know one another and to relate well. And then on top of that, there's a system of distribution that is being managed by the apostles who probably identified more closely with the Hebrews. And on top of that, all of these challenges, they're amplified by the fact that there is an enormous uh, need, the sheer number and scale of the problems here, of, of the widows needing help it just grew over time. And so, when there are these limited resources, overwhelming demands, what usually happens? We do what's best for us and for those that are closest to us. You know, that, that is just basic human nature. And so it's not surprising that the Hellenists are being overlooked in the community. And the apostles, they have no clue as to what is going on. But this oversight wasn't because the apostles were just overwhelmed by the sheer scale of the problems. You know, if that were the case, then all of the widows should have been in need, both Hebrew and Hellenist. But the complaint comes from just the Hellenists. And this is the danger of power and privilege. Because the danger is that you may not even be aware that we have power and privilege. Those who are underprivileged are constantly aware of what disadvantages them. Uh, several years ago, I, I once led a short-term missions trip to Ethiopia where we partnered with a ministry that was wanting to care for the most vulnerable in the capital city of Addis Ababa. And during our trip, a lot of what we did was we made home visits uh, to the people that they were caring for so that we could hear and listen to their stories, offer medical care, provide a word of encouragement to them. And we, we often took pictures on these trips uh, and on these visits. And the ministry staff would tell us, hey, when you get back home to the States, 
develop these pictures, mail them back to us because our people would love to have memories of your visits with them. And as we were talking about, you know, the, the logistics of how to make all of this happen, one of the Ethiopian ministry staff, they told us, hey, you actually can develop pictures while you're here uh, to just make, make the process all that more easier. And when they shared with us uh, how much it would cost to develop pictures in Ethiopia, all of us on our team, we responded by saying, wow, that is so cheap. But without batting an eye, the Ethiopian staff member we were talking to said, no, that is not cheap. And suddenly, our privileged world of being middle to upper class was suddenly exposed. These sorts of things were, were hidden, maybe even invisible to us, but they were so clear and apparent to our Ethiopian staff member. And so the danger of power and privilege is that when it becomes unnoticeable, that we're not even aware that we have power and privilege. And there is no cost to not notice because life just goes on. But our passage shows us that something even more dangerous can happen when we don't notice our power and privilege those who are on the margins can suffer and we might not even realize it so the hellenist widows they're being neglected and overseen ignored and then they bring voice to all that they've been experiencing verse one says a complaint by the hellenists arose against the hebrews now this word for complaint, it has this connotation of there was grumbling, there was murmuring that was happening by the Hellenists. And so to be clear, it didn't seem like there was this intense protest that was happening uh, in this community. But at the same time, they, they're not being silent about what they are experiencing. And then as a result, we see that the apostles respond to what's going on. And so that moves us to our second point, the healthy use of power and privilege. And so the apostles show us that a healthy use of power and privilege involves both validation and repair. So first, they, they validate the complaint. You know, notice that the, the Hellenists, they, they weren't making a big scene, right? There, there wasn't this huge protest that was happening in their community. And so the apostles, they could have easily just swept this whole thing under the rug without having to deal with this, but that's not what happens. Instead, they, they stop all that they're doing. They listen to the grumbling, to the murmuring. They, they believe what the Hellenists are saying to them. And the simple act of validation is so powerful because it communicates to the Hellenists that, that their complaint is worth considering and that they are worth listening to. But sadly, how many times have people in power, uh, even in the church, have dismissed and discredited complaints? How many times have people been told things like, 
you just need to trust your leaders. I think you might have a heart issue. Aren't you, or it sounds like you're not being grateful for all that the church has done for you. You know, these misuses of power, they have no place in our world, no place in the church. We ought to be a community that that listens to each other, seeks to understand, journey alongside one another, no matter how difficult, no matter how complex the situation might be. And so a healthy use of power and privilege validates complaints because complaints are not seen as threats, but that they're seen as opportunities to use power for the good of others. And we also see that the apostles do the work of repair. Now, notice how the apostles, they they don't handle this complaint behind closed doors. They bring it out into the open. Verse 2 says, And the twelve summon the full number of the disciples. And so this is quite remarkable, that the apostles, they publicly acknowledge what they have done to everybody. And they continue this work of repair In verse 3, they say, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So the apostles here, they choose to share their power with the Hellenists, who didn't have an ounce of power before. But now they're giving them an opportunity to weigh in on the solution. Now, it, it might look as though that the apostles are trying to just delegate, you know, second-tier work to the Hellenists, you know, when they say this, you know, uh, we need to devote ourselves to, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But what's interesting is that the word for ministry in verse 4, that's referring to the preaching of the word, and the word for distribution, back in verse 1, referring to this system of distribution of care, these two words are from the same Greek word that means service. And so the work of the apostles, the work of the daily distribution, they are of equal significance and work. And so the apostles, they empower the Hellenists to choose from within themselves seven qualified and spiritually mature men for this equally important work. And we see here that they make a public record of all of these decisions. The names of the seven men, they are listed. And what scholars point out is that all the names are Greek names. And so by doing this, the apostles, they give the Hellenists this meaningful sense of agency when before they didn't have any. Before this complaint, the Hellenists, they had no say in how this distribution system would work. They were at the mercy of the Hebrews. But now they have complete say into how this system of care is going to take place that will benefit both the Hellenists and the Hebrews. So the apostles show us a healthy use of power and privilege by validating the mistreatment and also doing the work of repair. 
And how were they able to do this? Well, they were able to do this because these apostles were shaped every single day for the last three years or so by following Jesus. Because Jesus' life and ministry was marked by validation and repair. Jesus, the Son of God, he had infinite power and privilege, and yet he chose to stoop down to become a human. He chose to become just like us so that he could see us eye to eye. He could relate to us. He could connect with us. Every single day of Jesus's life and ministry, what we see is him looking at people for their humanity and not for their utility. Instead of walking past the weak, the marginalized, and the vulnerable, he would go to them. He would listen to their stories. He would make their plight his plight. But Jesus was not someone just with a whole lot of emotional intelligence. But we see him doing the hard work of repair, repairing what is so wrong with the world and also with us. A beautiful example of this that we see over and over again is him performing miracles, giving sight to the blind, allowing the lame to walk again, healing lepers of this terrible disease. Jeff White, who's a pastor here in the city, he once described uh, Jesus performing miracles as, as though Jesus was reaching into heaven and yanking back a piece of heaven into the present day. Jesus was all about the work of repair. And the culmination of his ministry of validation and repair came when he gave up his life at the cross. Jesus would face the ultimate enemy of sin, the evil that's shattering God's perfect creation, the power that is keeping us in bondage. But the enemy couldn't keep Jesus in in the grave because Jesus would rise again. He would break apart the power of sin, loosening the grip of evil on this world. Jesus showed us his true power when he died in our place. He resurrected to new life, bringing us salvation and freedom and agency to be God's children. The power of Jesus brought an end to all of us and to creation being slaves to sin. So Jesus was all about the work of validation and repair, and the apostles had a front row seat to all of this. And that is what shaped them to use their power and privilege in healthy ways, even though there might have been times where they weren't always perfect. And then we actually see what comes of all this. Uh, That moves us to our last point, the beautiful outcomes. In verse 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So as this is happening, again, they're doing this out in the open. 
And so everyone is witnessing what the apostles are doing. So people are seeing those who are in power using their status and influence not to build a platform, not to take advantage of the weak for their own gain, but the average person in the crowds saw people with status and influence giving away power for the good of others. They saw the apostles take ownership for their mistreatment of the Hellenist widows. And they see the apostles putting in a plan of repair. And I would bet that these apostles were not the same people after this event. And that's one beautiful outcome, is that those who have power and privilege can radically change for the better. Another outcome that we see is that bridges of trust start to form between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. In the list of names that we see in our passage, uh, the last one in verse 6 is Nicholas. And there's a little bit of a description given to him. It says that he is a proselyte of Antioch, which means he's most likely a convert to Christianity who likely has zero Jewish background. So his fellow Hellenist brothers, they, they, they come to him. They're trying to recruit him to be part of this original group tasked to care for the widows of their community. What an enormous responsibility, an enormous honor to be part of this group. But I wonder what Nicholas thought when he was being approached. You know, I wonder if he like said to his friends, guys, I don't know how to speak Hebrew. I don't really know a whole lot of Jewish culture. But then perhaps it's not hard to imagine his friends responding, saying, you might not know Hebrew, but you are a man of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. You are just as qualified as anyone else here. How empowering it must have been for the Hellenists to have someone like Nicholas to be chosen to be part of this first group. Can you see how this could have been the beginnings of bridges of trust forming between the Hellenists and the Hebrews? And not only are there bridges of trust crossing between cultures, but we see this actually happening across class. At the end of verse 7, it says that a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, in the Jewish tradition, there actually was a hierarchy of class amongst the priests. So on the one end, you had the high priest, and on the other, you had pretty much everyone else uh, who didn't live luxurious lives. Um, many of the priests who lived on this side of, of that spectrum, they, they were often poor and didn't have many resources. And so can you imagine these priests who might be in this area witnessing what is going on, seeing how these Hellenists, treat, uh, how these Hellenist widows are now being treated with generosity. Perhaps they're getting a glimpse to see that 
Jesus is the Messiah. This is indeed what the prophets have been talking about. The prophet Isaiah once said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, talking about the the coming Messiah, because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And what if prophecies like that and others begin to take on a whole new meaning for these priests and they begin to follow Jesus? And so what does this mean for us? For those, for those of us that are Christian, how can we continue Jesus' ministry of validation and repair? When complaints and concerns and protests and cries for help, they come our way, how might we embody the approach of Jesus who stopped to listen and to see and to believe? Can we see people through the eyes of Jesus and see people for their humanity and not for their utility? When complaints come our way, can we not only validate the complaint, but can we also see the person behind the complaint? And how might we join the work of repair by by bringing pieces of heaven into a dark place so that the bonds of sin and evil can be loosened, so that we could all experience and live in the freedom that Jesus has paid for all of us. How might God be calling us to build build bridges of trust with those that are different from us, with those who might be invisible to the world, those who are being, being treated as less than, And so, friends, the invitation that we have today is to show in word and deed that the gospel is indeed good news for all. That the gospel isn't just lip service or or pleasantries, but the gospel is the power of salvation. It's a power that breaks the chains of sin and death. It's a power that brings freedom to all of creation. It's the power that Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. And so may we consider this call to continue Jesus' ministry of validation and repair because he has empowered us to do so through his own healthy use of power and privilege. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we, we, we thank you for these words of where you are God who knows our plight. You know the brokenness of the world in which that we live in. And God, you, you know that there is so much that is in need of repair. And so, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus to where you did not allow for this world to continue into demise, but you brought rescue. 
You brought relief. You are bringing about renewal and restoration. And God, what a humbling privilege it is that you would consider us to be part of this whole journey, this call to validate and repair the things that sin has run amok. And so God, lead us by the power of your spirit, oh Lord. May, may our city look a little bit more like heaven because as we are being sent out, you are doing incredible things, showing that the gospel really is good news and that our neighborhood, our workplaces, our schools, they would all reflect your beauty. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.